Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. And we are joined by, uh, you could say he's a hard-hitting forward. Um, he plays for Huddersfield Giants. He has had a stint in the NRL with a few clubs. He got off the nudie run in the Super League on round one. His name is James Gavitt. Thank you very much for joining us today. And how are you going today? This episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Gold Coast Trading Cards. They are an authorized TLA trading card dealer and they are the NRL collector's choice. From box breaks to individual cards, they sell thousands of them from the 1960s up until recent 2020s and into the future 2021s coming out next year. Be sure to get all of your NRL trading card needs at Gold Coast Trading Cards. Yeah, good. It's... um. Obviously, I'm over in England at the moment, northern part of England, in a place called Brighouse, which isn't far from Huddersfield. And uh, it's actually, it's um, pretty nice weather over here at the moment. It's half 12 in the afternoon, so yeah, the sun's at its highest and still a bit chilly, but it's the best day we've had so far this year. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, well, I mean, compared to the the snow that you guys just recently had, you were you know doing preseason in the snow. It's definitely a welcome change by by the sounds of it. What was it like doing that preseason in the snow? It's definitely something different. <laughs> um, as international um, players, we often have this um, this running kind of joke where it's like oh would you rather be doing a preseason in the Aussie heat or in the snow over here and it's we haven't really made our mind up minds wow. up yet so because <laughs> they're that both bad. it's the, they're both the extreme sort of thing yeah well, um, it's either one end of this yeah spectrum or the other so it's um something we've kind of you have to you have to get used to um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have come over a year earlier, so we didn't have snow then. But um, but you yeah, adjusted kind of, to the cold type of weather. Yeah, to to some of the cold, and then yeah, obviously the snow hit different. Yeah, it, I'm sure it did. Um, but also <laughs> mentioning you, you came over an, a year early, um, that was when COVID hit. What was it like, you know, going from Australia, you know, the NRL, all that jazz, you know, and then going over and, you know, not only is it your first season, possibly your first, you know, time living in the UK and that clusterfuck, for lack of a better term, how did you handle it and how did your family go with it? Yeah, it was um, a massive eye-opener. Me and my wife um, have come over and we're both originally from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. She's from a small town called Rotorua and I I grew up in Auckland. And then um, even though New Zealand and Australia are a bit different, they're still pretty similar. And so coming over here was um, a massive change for us. And I thought it's, it's... it was going to be a big challenge, not only on the footy field, but just, you know, get, adapting to everything around us, different food brands and mm. you know, different accents. Every every two miles in whichever direction you go, there's a different accent. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's been good to finally get our bearings and get to know what's what over here. So and I think it does normally take you about a year to settle into things. So we are you know, 
we're still learning. It's still a bit of a big learning curve and we're taking it with each stride um, day by day. But, you know, I, I'd like to, um, yeah, I, I, I feel happy to say that we're almost like one of the locals now. We've been yeah. welcomed by um, everyone around us, so whether at work or just in our local neighborhoods, um, our local neighborhood, it's, um, it's been good. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, and you know, because it, it could have gone the, it could have gone the other way. It could have been unsettled and and vice sort of thing. But no, it's good to hear that. Um, yeah. And uh, brain fighting hard. Speaking of COVID, in the sense of the Super League season that's just kicked off, you guys are doing a um, a hub for lack of a better term. It's you know one round. Each round is every team plays at a set stadium. Round one was at Emerald Headingley. Next round coming up is a totally wicked. What are your thoughts on how the Super League are handling that? Because I think it's great. Yeah, it is good. I think whatever um, actions they do take with it, however extreme it might even get, um, if we can keep our game going, obviously then that'll be best for all of us not just the players and staff but including the fans we are we really all of us obviously really really want to get back to how things once were and um especially you know some of us new recruits um i only got a couple of games in before with you know full crowd 100 percent capacity or um attendance and capacity before this whole COVID thing hit. So I haven't really got gotten to witness what it was like, you know, in the glory days of Super League and, you know, th- um, seeing a grand final, even just going to every other stadium and witnessing what their fans are like. So, um, yeah, I think um, the Super League have handled it really well. RFL have definitely got all the owners and the CEOs to um, stand together and, and reach an agreement where you know we can continue to grow our game even if it is with um, <laughs> only our coaches and trainers cheering us on at the stadiums i, I was gonna but, say uh, do, do you as a player notice a difference obviously minus the fact there's no people in the stands but do you notice a difference in the the performance possibly of the team like when there's no crowd to compared to when there is a crowd yeah um, we were talking about that the other day. You obviously feed off the crowd and the energy they can they can give you or not give you. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it can either it can work in your favor or against you. So, but we, yeah, it is. At the end of the day, we are we are entertainers, and it is a show that we put on for the public and and um, with the different different types of characters that you can have in the game. You know, in the NRL, you've got Fergie doing backflips. And, uh, you know, Mundine used to do that. And that was some great showmanship, which, love him or hate them, you want to keep watching that stuff. And over here, we've got plenty of characters too. And, you know, Connie Orell and Kenny Edwards. And you just, you know, you've got your lovers, your love, um, people that love them, and then people that just want to see Kenny Edwards get smashed. But (laughs) it's all a part of, the atmosphere it's all, it's all a part of, of loving the game in, as a whole. Of loving the game, yeah. And so missing the the odd, um, you know, chant or you know the big oohs and ahs of the fans, it can, um, yeah, it can get pretty 
almost awkward in yeah. those um, <laughs> raw silences between gameplay and during the game. It's just you can hear everything everyone says, and it's it's, <laughs> it's definitely different. Oh, for sure. Um, and obviously, yeah. touching on your time in the NRL, the little word vomit in the NRL, you did play for a few clubs the Bulldogs, Tigers, Broncos, Warriors, and Knights. Your longest stint was with the Warriors. Um, first of all, what was it like getting your first grade debut in the NRL as a whole with the Bulldogs? What was the week like leading up to it and everything involved for you? Uh, it was It was surreal which is the answer that you would get most of the time. But I um, often hear people talk about, you know, it was unforgettable or um, you, you, it went so fast that you couldn't actually remember anything. And that was me, the second one. <laughs> yep. it was, um, I didn't play for very long, but because I had had a bad start to that season through injury and the Bulldogs were on fire that year, they made the grand final and they, and they fell short, but I was thinking, you know, I started behind the eight ball here, and then they were they were all playing really well, and um, I never thought I would actually get in the mix. And then when uh, I think someone got someone was stood down or something, or and got injured or something, um, mm-hmm. I ended up getting pulled up last minute and. Yeah, ready or not, you just, you know, you got to take it with both hands. And um, it went that quick. It was crazy. But all I know, all I remember is that we were down and we came back with a win against a strong uh, Broncos side. Yeah, a strong Broncos side. And I was, you know, it was in the big lights. And I played 20s before the NYC State Cup and that. But, um, Nothing could compare to the pace that. of the NRL. The pace and seeing so many familiar faces um, that you had only ever seen on TV. You know, mm-hmm. coming up against Ben Hannant and Sammy Thayde, and then it's like, well, this, these are these are legit names here. <laughs> There's no more marking around. Yeah, there's no so, more watching yeah, them on TV. Was, it's it's I'm doing it with the best of them now. Yeah, you're face to face with them, and you got to give your best, and not you got to give them the respect that they've obviously earned. But then you've got to bring, you know, whatever your flavour may be. And I was very grateful to Dizzy and the dogs for giving me that opportunity. That year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you spent the longest tenure or stint, you could say, with the Warriors. What was it like, you could say, more or less going back home, as you said, you are from Auckland yourself. Um, so what was it like, you know, going back home and playing rugby league for the Warriors? Um, it was good. It was, it was, I, I've, comparing all my time at different, the different clubs that yep. I've been across, been to, they all had their own special thing and like that I would never take away from them. But um, it was always going to be something different playing in front of my family and friends and my parents and uh, my and kids. And you could do so, that on a weekly, almost every two to three weeks, you know, with home games for sure as well. It's not just, a, yeah. you know, fly them over every few weeks. It's a, they can come to the games as regular as you play them at home. Exactly. And um, I do have family in Sydney and in Brisbane and, um, that would come and watch mm-hmm. my games, but um, to have my old man there 
And um, even my mom, even though she can't, she's to this day, she still doesn't understand the game. <laughs> um, just hearing them cheer for me and having my son, you know, obviously just soak it all in as a kid would, um, was always going to be something special, win or lose. And, you know, obviously we don't. <laughs> Uh, we, we didn't win too much over those um, at the Warriors, but... Uh, but the ones you did yeah. would have been extra special for you. Extra special. And, yeah, and then um, I was, uh, there's also the familiar um, smells and everything else that comes with that homely, homey feel. And uh, mum's cooking also, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nice. Um Obviously, um, Huddersfield is where you're currently at, as we just mentioned. Um, and where do you see yourself? Um, do you see yourself once you retire? That is whether that's whether you get a shot back in the NRL or whether you finish up in in the UK. Do you see yourself moving back to Australia or NZ, or do you see yourself possibly staying in the UK for a while? Well, that's something. Um, it's funny you, you mentioned that. That's something me and my wife have kind of been tossing up. She's. Uh, half Tongue and half English, mm-hmm. and um, which means she's a dual passport holder, New yeah. Zealand and, and, England. and um, Great Britain. So, yep. um, because we are married, I am I'm eligible to apply for citizenship after by a proxy. couple of years, yeah, wow, yeah, my proxy. And so, we can actually end up staying here for however long we want. And if you ever decide um, to come back, you could be like, right, let's go back and move back sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I was born in Sydney, yep. and, but grew up in Auckland. So I'm, I'm, I'm a dual um, Australia, New Zealand. of Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand so, and I've, I've enjoyed my time living in Sydney and, and in Brisbane, uh, but she's... It's pretty much <laughs> what the wife wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's just course, cut yep. the ball. <laughs> it's, well, just it's, cut it's, the... it's that, but it's also which which place would be like the most relaxed for you guys as well. Yeah, yeah. She's um, I took her on holiday to to the GC and to GC and Brizzy, and she loved it. Yep. Um, during the summer, but I was like, oh. Holiday mode, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Um, and you know, all we did was, you know, spend time with loved ones, drink and party and that at that time. So, you know, it's she wants to witness that moving either back to Newey or GC Brizzy, somewhere near the beach, down the east coast there, or um there's three extremes here. There's that mm. or move yeah. to a farm where her brother lives in, in New Zealand or like around there, like the countryside or stay over here in the cold. And yeah. Is, is that <laughs> Steve, the Oklahoma City player? Or is that or is that not the brother-in-law that, that you're talking about? Because that would be cool. Two professional sports people, you know, linking up at two totally different sports. Yeah, well, he's, um, he's currently at... Pelicans, New Orleans. Yeah, he's at the Pelicans. I I, I did my best to do some research, and Wikipedia says that you're his brother-in-law. So I was like, should probably try and figure (laughs) out a way to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, he he does own that farm, um, 
but another brother runs it because yep. Steve yep. is overdoing his thing in the in the states. Yep. Um, but yeah, would we don't know if it would be at that farm or just somewhere just around the corner general, where yeah. we would just stay yeah, close close to her family and and yeah, in between both of our families. So um, yeah. there's yeah, there's three different lifestyles here. Yeah. She's she's pretty much gonna. Not we. She's gonna pick from. <laughs> yeah, it's a she. It's a she will pick, and you'll support the decision. Yeah, and supply the the um, the visa debit card and yep. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah, all good. Um, and obviously we just mentioned um your brother-in-law who plays in the NBA. Um, which is an achievement in itself. Um, <clears throat> you've made a massive achievement by playing international rugby league for Samoa. What was it like getting to represent your heritage and play for Samoa? It was um, it was real emotional for me to to finally pull on that jersey because knowing that my grandparents migrated to New Zealand um back in the 50s or 60s or whatever it was, they were the, one of the first waves to come over, Pacific waves to come to New Zealand. And um, so both of my parents are New Zealand born and bred. And so we haven't really had much to do with, you know, actually growing up and knowing the culture back to front. Um, but, you know, we still, were immersed in being Samoan and, um, you know, being around it, being spoken and the culture, which is still pretty watered down in New Zealand. Uh, that, that was cool, but to actually, you know, we went and um, played my very first game for Samoa. We went and played in Samoa and we stayed uh, there for That was against weeks. Fiji, wasn't it? Yeah, that was against Fiji. And um, to actually get to know and see how much that we were respected and adored um, over there and just the, the type of living um, situations that they, they are in. And where my grandparents, my actually, um, the villages that they migrated, migrated from, it was massive for me to see because there's, there were just so many things we had taken for granted, granted growing up in these in the land of milk and honey of New Zealand or Australia. And, you know, it just makes you um, almost like disgusted with yourself sometimes. Oh, okay. you know, we, we would whinge about like certain things like, oh, this for dinner again. It's like, well, it's like, oh, you don't have you to have go. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to go out and catch what you have to eat for dinner. And so um, it was, it was, it was humbling, but it was um, an honor that, and a privilege that I couldn't even put into words and explain at the time. So, uh, would you to be, be putting able your to name hold... up for sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you be putting your yeah. name up for Samoa for the Rugby League World Cup this year, possibly? Yeah, hopefully. Um, sorry, I, I know a lot of interrupt. players that I've spoken to. No, that, that's fine. I know a lot of players that I've spoken to. Uh, other Samoan players, especially over here, I've asked them if they're going to try and go for it and. I think that whole 
you know, the stigma behind like, oh, I don't want to come off as I want to go for it and then fall short. But I've already told people that I'm, I'm actually aiming for it or I don't get selected. Yeah. I'd, well, I mean, I'd like at least be you can try your best, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, I'm going to. It's like, yeah, I fell short. You know, it's, uh, I fell short, but I know I did my best, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I've asked them and they've kind of kept their, I can tell that they're actually, they're wanting to be selected, but they've kept that close to, their cards close to them. And which, you know, is totally fine. Um, But yeah, I, whenever I'm asked, I'm out and open to say, yeah, I actually want to give it a dig. I've missed out on two World Cups. Um, due to injury and where where I actually did get the call up but you know I, back then I was 27 and 23 so things are a lot different now and I'm a whole world away from where well it's being hosted in the UK is. so you're already there <laughs> yeah but normally the national teams would normally be picked whether it be Kiwis, Aussie Tonga Samoa, Fiji, they, they look at the NRL first, which makes Maybe. it even harder. But then yeah. I look at that as a challenge. Like, okay, exactly. well, if I do make it from here, then no one can, you know, fault me for my efforts and whether I deserve to be there or not. So, yeah, exactly. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and yeah. even, if, even if you don't, you can at least say you've managed to already represent Samoa regardless which is an amazing accomplishment, yeah. even in itself. Um, in During your time in the NRL, which team and also which individual, not necessarily, doesn't have to be an individual from a certain team, so separate, were the toughest to go up against? There's a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... God, I get asked this quite a bit, like who was the hardest to tackle, who was the hardest to play against. I just, I just mean, yeah, just because, in general sort of thing. Um, I find that the toughest players are the ones that are just undying, have this undying attitude. Like they just don't stop so until like, the final side. Yeah, they just don't stop. And um, have, like having been to all these different clubs, Guys like, you know, Aiden Tolman isn't the biggest dude and he isn't um, the most talented of players, but he just would give you 100% every game. And his the difference between his good game and his bad game is like there's such a small um, difference between them because mm. he's so consistent and he, it's all based off hard work. Like, exactly. That, Sorry to interrupt. I, I was at the Sharks-Raiders game the other week because he's, as I'm sure you know, just signed with the Sharks and the yeah. Sharks did lose, but it was almost a Tolman's got the ball again. Tolman's got the ball again. Tolman's made a tackle again. He's just, yeah. every, at least, he'd at least have one run every set and at least two tackles yeah. every opposing set. It's, like you were saying, just doesn't give up. Yeah, so guys like the, the relentless guys, there's the... I say Aiden Tolman because he's more of an unsung hero. Everyone talks about Gal. Everyone talks about Sam Bridges. And yes, they were hard to play against. But there are a lot of there are a lot of players that have been overlooked that are just as tough but just don't get their accolades. Mm. Maybe because they don't make 
an, an Orangen team or have a Kiwis jumper. Um, Simon Mannering, he'll always be one that I'll, I hate playing against and I'd love to play, I like to play with. Um, those type of guys where it's just, you just know you're in for a big day going up against them because they're relentless. Yeah, sometimes and it's like, oh, might... I don't want to go to work because it's my opposing player. <laughs> yeah, whereas um, the big boys, so you have like Sam Kess, Mosse um, Masoy, the Burgess twins, these types of boys, it's like, okay, well, you're big. They're, I'm, I feel like I'm big, but they're way bigger than me. They dwarf me. <laughs> Yep. But then to me, it's like, well, I give it my best, go handy. They're always going to be hard to stop for anyone, but we'll wear them down and eventually they're not going to be, they're not going to do this for 80 minutes. Mm. Whereas you run into guys like Aiden Tolman or Simon Mannering or, you know, even they, Gow. They may, they may not put hard hits on you, but they'll hit you every bloody, almost every tackle every you take. Time. And then uh, to the point where, you know, at, when I was fresh, it was like, yeah, I'm kind of winning the battles. Then I start dwindling down. <laughs> and then by the end of my stint, where it's like I normally come off after like maybe say 20 minutes, then I'm like a piece of paper to run Waiting. <laughs> yeah. And and then I come off knowing that, oh, they got me. The, that last run, he found this front through me. That's why I got subbed off. I come off. And watch from the bench, they're still going the same pace as they were in the first minute. And they'll finish their half. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I guess I'm just like, <laughs> I guess that's just something I've, I don't have. And they've, they've got, that's their special secret power. Okay. Um, and speaking of powers, yeah. if you could have a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Strength, super strength. Yeah. 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 I've always preferred the Hulk over like Thor and Iron Man and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No, awesome. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you just mentioned the toughest opponents um, and whatnot, but um, who would be the funniest teammate and uh, just in general throughout your time playing so far? And what would be the funniest sledge? you've heard on field, whether it's been directed at you or you've heard been sprayed at someone. Just what's the funniest one you've heard? Um, there are so many different funny characters in the game um, that I've played with. It's hard to name one. At the Tigers, there's a guy named Andrew Vella. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I don't know if he played in NRL, but he was... He brightened my day there. At the moment, at the Giants, it's a guy named James Cunningham. Mm -hmm. um, at the Warriors, Charlie Gubb. He's, yeah, he's really witty. Broncos, um, Joe Offangawe. He was yeah. just, I don't know if it was because he was a kid when I was there, but he was just always doing something silly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at the Knights, um, believe it or not, um, Herman Essie is really yeah, okay. funny, but yeah. he's not outwardly funny. So as soon as you break down that barrier, then he says some crack up things. But the, <laughs> the, um, the sledge that takes the cup that stands out for me was we lined up against, um, 
Oh, actually, sorry, and Ali Lautiri. Yeah. Yep. He was pretty funny. He was pretty funny. <laughs> um, we um, lined up against Melbourne once, and um, we're at the scrum. Yep. That's always in the scrum. Wearing, it's always yeah. in the scrum. <laughs> and like it was a pretty um, even matched game at that point, and um, the storm come over, and I'm, it's me, Bully, Isaac, Luke, and I think Jacob Lilliman. Yep. This and is then, for the Warriors. For the Warriors. Yep. And um, I had been wearing the same pair of boots that were run down like nobody's business um, for like a good, I think a year and a half maybe. Yep. And so they were ripped out the side and out the front. But <laughs> my my thing has always been like, not look good, play good, but if you feel good, then you play good, no yep. matter how you look. And so... They were busted out the side and out the front, so I always had them taped. Yep. Which was, <laughs> yeah, it was something you would see over like um, electric, you know, lines yeah. on, yep. on the yep. street. And um, one had pink laces because the <laughs> laces had um, had ripped, and my sister had some leftover laces. So yep. one had pink laces, one had white laces. Jesse Bromwich comes over to the, to the scrum and goes, "Oh." Where did you get those ones? Cause, and it the literally, it's not the actual sledge and how like witty it might be, yeah. But it was how close the game was and it was intense and we were going head to head, and both scrums turned and looked at my my shoes. Boots, yep, and you just and laughed everyone, from the <laughs> every yeah, everyone paused and went quiet and Cam Cam Smith, he just went what the fuck are those <laughs> and bully bully being a he's a clown too he looked over as serious as he was as well he looked at him and was like cuz what the fuck are those <laughs> and so both both their team were laughing at me and my team were disappointed at <laughs> me that would have also helped break the tension of that moment in the game as well yeah, yeah, it was good, but that's yeah, that that it surely it sure did. But um, yeah, as far as they just go, I think everyone gives it how. Well, sorry, there's there's always some good ones, but that's that moment stood out for me because it was like time; it stood still. Mm. Yeah, so Jesse Bromwich, you bastard! How <laughs> you want? <laughs> oh, fair enough. And is there a sledge that is? Um, memorable for you that you heard been given to someone else on the field whether it's in the scrum or not that's not necessarily directed at you yeah someone told Charlie Gubb once I can't remember what game it was or who we played but it was in Perth mm-hmm. and um, we, we were coming over to the scrum or the tap or something and someone um, said that he's got some really long hammies or something. They spoke about him. They're like, look at the hammies on him. (laughs) And and it's because we, we used to mock him because he's got no ass. (laughs) So like it's his back connects to his hammies. And it was funny to hear that we hadn't even said that out loud, but the other team had noticed it. And someone (laughs) ran over and was just like, look at the hammies on you. And we, 
<laughs> and he was hardly had no comeback to that. <laughs> oh wow, that's so yeah. funny. Oh, um, geez, just trying to think of any more topics. Um, what advice would you give to any youngsters who you know would like to make it in the big league one day? Um, I've given different pieces of advice um, over the years, but now looking back and like with my my journey, I'd say um, just run your race. Obviously, you've got to train hard and uh, make a lot of sacrifices in that. But um, for like for me, for example, I was in the NRL for about ten years. And I only ended up, I didn't even end up playing 100 games. But the year I started and came in, your first thought is, I want to be a 300-game legend Mm. and play this many games for the Kiwis or New South Wales or Origin or whatever it might be. But because things didn't go to plan, a lot of things were my fault poor preparation and poor decisions, but then there are other things that I couldn't control. Like injuries and whatnot. Injuries and maybe um, not making the team because, you know, he prefers one player over the other. But I I used to look at that like, oh, flip, man, I really wanted to at least get 100 games or whatever it might have been. But now I, I see it as, you know, it's still a successful career. I stayed, um, especially when the stats come out about the percentages of how people, how long people stay in the NRL or how mm. many people get picked. Well, these days and it's so, like three to five years max. Yeah. And so to know that I stayed in for 10 years and even though if you average that, it's like I played like less than 10 games a season. And so I, I look at that as a success in itself to know that, okay, well, I hung in there, even though there were whole years that I didn't actually play a game and no one was with me in that rehab chamber for six months, just me and the trainer or me and the physio. And I stuck to my guns and I hung in there. Hmm. I So don't get me wrong, being a camp smith, you should aim for that. Yeah, <laughs> you should aim, aim high, for time but also don't be disappointed. Games. Yeah, exactly. And um, whether your career lasts, you know, a year in the NRL or 20 years, or maybe not even crack it, it's just like run your run your race in and just do your best. And if things don't um, happen, because sometimes opportunities fall in your lap, sometimes... People just miss it by that much. And there are so many guys that were better than me um, that chose the wrong way and to go down different paths. That was their bad. But then there were guys that actually did everything right. Professionalism was way better than me. They actually worked harder than me and they still didn't get a crack, but they didn't give up. Um, So you never know what's going to happen. Just make sure that when that chapter finally does close, that um, like that Rocky movie, he says, uh, you know, make sure that there's nothing left in the basement. Mm. So nothing, no regrets. Leave the thing, leave um, the game with no regrets. Yeah, fair. 
Fair. Yeah. Honestly, that that's great. And last bit of, uh, you know, topic I'd say is, do you have any words for the Giants fans for this season? Yeah, um, I can only compare this year to last year. And as far as I'm concerned, we're we're on the right track. Mm, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not just saying that. Um, last year, obviously, there are some things that we could have fixed up ourselves, but then there were some, you know, always uh, some things that no one could have foretold, like. Like COVID. Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone no, could. <laughs> no, no one, uh, no, no crystal ball showed us that. So, um, but you did come out guns blazing at the start of that season. Yeah. Still no ex- excuses aside. It didn't hit us any different to how it hit St. Helens. So um, if I'm comparing how our attitude was and how closely knitted, knit our... Um, our club is now and how we're moving forward and growing and yeah and I, th- I think um we've come light years ahead from where we once were so keep um the faith and make sure that you keep watching us and i know we didn't turn out in that first round what uh, we had planned on doing and uh you guys would have been expecting but don't um don't lose hope just yet. We've um, definitely got something special lined up for you guys this year. And I mean, as they say, it's only one round. You can't really, like, one round doesn't mean. I mean, it does mean everything, but it also doesn't mean anything in the long in the long run of things. Given it's like a thirty yeah. round season sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is that whole thing. Just hang in there with us. We'll um, we'll do you guys proud. Awesome.